Uh, well, hello and welcome to yet another episode of Startup 107. Uh, in today's episode, I'm joined by Matthew Perry. Uh, well, we had him on the podcast last year as well, same time. Uh, but Matt, it's great to have you on the podcast once again. Nice to, nice to be back. Thank you for having me again. Awesome. I uh, would love to get a short introduction of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am the founder and CEO of The Good Chris Company. We're a better for you, you know, alternative to other canister chips. So we're similar to a Pringles, but uh, we taste better and we take out all of the nasty um, ingredients. So we're currently sold in about 15,000 grocery stores now across across the country from Whole Foods to Walmart to sort of everything in between. Um, we've been in the US now for kind of five years um, and yeah, continuing to, to grow and to get our product out there and help uh, everyday Americans feel good about the snacks that they choose. Awesome. Well, the question is, Matt, when are we going to launch in India? Is there a plan for it? Well, yeah. I mean, look, India, as you very well know, is is a is a growing economy and is a growing market for for premium product. I think that that's the key for us as well. Is um, you know, people that are into snacks is important, but also looking for better for you snacks and better alternatives. So, um, some developing countries are a couple of you know years behind that that wave, but mm-hmm. the the world is is all over is definitely heading in that direction. Interesting, but Matt, last year when we had a conversation, the business was going pretty well. Uh, but looking at some of the factors like inflation, recession, there is a war going on in the world right now. How has the business been over the last one year, and how did those factors has impacted the business overall? Yeah, no, look, I mean, growth-wise, we're still going really well. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hit our, our gross targets that we set last year. We'll hit them this year in revenue and things like that. So that from that side of things, that's still going really strongly. Our baseline velocities are continuing to grow, loyal customers. So all those really important metrics there are continuing to grow. Um, but definitely uh, the macro environment has has had a, an effect on our, our business. We've been able to pass on some of those costs through price increases. We have had a couple of price increases over the last 12 months. The great news is, um, you know, so is everyone else and, and sort of we're still in line with our with our category and, and haven't seen any dips from consumers. So that's good. Um, it's just a lot more work, I would say. So our operations team, you know, spent a lot more time trying to, to source good, good ingredients or making sure they're there or putting forecasts in or managing things a lot more closely, trying to save money, in other areas where, wherever we can. Um, so it's definitely been a tougher year um, operational-wise, um, but the the great news is we're continuing to grow and, and still hit targets. So it hasn't had that much of a detrimental effect on our business. Interesting. In terms of material sourcing, uh, Matt, what are the regions we are sourcing the materials from? It is primarily just US or are there any other countries as well? No, we do. We, we source we source our product from from all around the, the the world as far as raw raw ingredients. Particularly now, as we start to look for high quality products, but a good pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, war and other things has has disrupted some some supply chain chains. So we look elsewhere. So I mean, yes, a lot of our stuff comes from the US. Um, our, our cheese balls, which we make, they are manufactured in the US. We use you know US suppliers for most of that. Um, so it, it varies, but but really for us, I mean, we've got a couple of core things around, um, you know, making sure that our products are gluten-free, certified, you know, non-GMO, project verified, um, you know, have all of the right things in place. So as long as they meet those standards, we're, we're open mm-hmm. to sort of source products from, from all over. Interesting. I think recently we did launch a new product or flavor as well, right? If I'm not wrong. 
Uh, we've done a cut, yes. Yeah, so we well, we launched our cheese balls um, earlier this year, which is an extruded cheese ball in a canister, which has done really well. Um, okay. And then, yeah, last last week or so, or sort of as we speak, we're launching our spicy jalapeno flavor. So that's exclusive with Whole Foods. Um, so that's rolling out national with them, which is really fantastic. It's uh, spicy and hot, but still has a nice flavor profile to it. You still get that jalapeno taste. Well, it suits for the Indians, right? The spicy flavors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be. It would may, may not be hot enough for 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 maybe many of their palates, but no, it's a great great spicy product. Um, and then also as well, it's it's we're coming up to Halloween, so we launch our creepy crisp limited time offer, which is our uh, black colored um, chip through there so yeah we've got a couple of new things rolling out well this is supposed to be secrets the upcoming launches or did you... <laughs> no no that's okay they're, they're well they're just all very new so they're just sort of happening at the moment so right. we um yeah we're excited to get them out there and, and into the world as we speak that's awesome man uh but in terms of you mentioned about whole foods and just the retail landscape right uh it's for a lot of founders it's tough to get into retail stores and get the product on shelf um if you had to start today right in terms of uh, getting your product to retail stores how would you approach it yeah i think it would be um you know would be similar to what what we've done i think there there is it is category or product specific um as to what your strategy is there's a couple couple of strategies essentially um you know going narrow and and deep is a lot what people talk about starting in small geographic areas getting you know getting your first 50 stores, then your second, then take that to 100, then 200, then 300 from, from there and going that way um, is, is definitely a good way of, of doing it. Um, you know, even, even if you can't get your first 50, you get your first one or two farmers markets and you're sort of learning at that from there, I think is important. Everyone needs to go through through that process for, for a year or two to sort of make sure you've got all your packaging right, your products right, the variations of that. You're going to be up to version three or four before you feel like you're you're confident. And then the next step really is is where do you go from there? Do you continue to go narrow and deep and, and growing from, from there? Um, or do you look to say, hey, we want to actually start to really expand this and, and build and grow quickly? Um, you know, for strategic reasons, that's what we decided to, to do. Um, and so, you know, we we grew very, very quickly in, in the first few years to get out there and just ensure that we had a good footprint across the market. There's pros and cons for that. costs a lot of money to do it. You have to have investors and people that understand that and, and make sure that you're, you're confident in your product and in your value proposition. Um, or you can continue to, to sort of learn that and, and conserve cash and, and, and maybe not go down the venture capital route, but rather just sort of grow off, off your own steam and, and you'll spend the next four or five years just sort of growing, you know, retail, retail of our retailer that way. Interesting. But Matt, are there any strategies to increase retail velocity, right? Um, are there any specific in-store tactics which could help to increase the overall retail velocity of a particular product? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the name of the game, really. So uh, there are some very specific tactics. Um, I think uh, demos are an important one, getting getting your product into people's hands, trying that. Um, it can, can be a great way, particularly to start with, can be a great way for feedback for, for, for your own self as well, to sit there with customers. Um, you know, giving out samples, finding events in areas where your retailers are, getting product there. Coupons are another great way, so sort of discounts on your product doing um, price promotions as well, putting them in catalog, spending the money to do that, I think really helps to drive, you know, feed the people that visit that store, um, then, you know, they'll come back and buy you. So I think that there's some very tactical ways of doing that. How do I 
interact at the closest point of purchase um, because they're the most likely to to then um, pick up the product and buy it. Interesting. And is there a, is there a tactic regarding the position of the product, right? Like where does the where is the product located? It, it, does that play a role as well? I, th- I think so, but we have less control over that. So, you know, the retailer, they've got their sort of planograms, they've got their things, they're going to put you where where they, they decide. There's very little mm-hmm. a brand can do about that um, as far as in, in, in the, the shelf. You know, and, and the reality is as a new brand, you'll probably get the, the worst spot and then you'll do a bit better and next year you'll get put in a better spot and, and you'll go from there sort of thing like that. So um, you sort of just got to make do with, with what you've got. All right. And in terms of the data, right, um, the live sales of a particular product, uh, do we have access to that, that, hey, today, this much amount of inventory sold out, or is it a real-time dashboard or data do we get? Yeah. So we, I mean, we spend a lot of money and time in, in the data. So we get um, spins feed. So it's not live, but each month we, we get the data, the scan data from, from most stores. And we look at that and we compare how do we compare against our, our competitors, our category, you know, other snacks, other areas? And, and we look at that very closely, actually. How are our units per store per week performing? What's the category average? Are we above that? Um, you know, dollars per total distribution point, all of those things like that. We look at a number of key metrics. Um, they're all usually really good. So we then turn those into sales stories that we go back to retail and say, hey, look, we're outperforming these brands or this is the value or this is the growth that we're bringing to the, the category. If we're the first ones in, we're not going to be the biggest brand, but we can show them that, um, hey, you know, look, over, look what we're doing, look at the growth that we're bringing, you know, over time we can get up here and we can be the number two, the number three brand here in your category. So yeah, we spend a lot of time and effort on that. Interesting. What is the platform name which you mentioned, Matt? For spins. So spins, so it's like Nielsen and IRI, but but for the natural channel. Um, so we we use spins and, and those. All right. And is it third party tool or is it the Correct. in yep. all right? Okay. All right. Uh in terms of raising capital, Matt, I think uh one of the things which does result during inflation recession is investors become more conservative with the capital, right? Mm-hmm. Um is the sentiment there in terms of investor being more conservative or are they not willing to invest in a lot of brands? What is the sentiment right now? Yeah, and no, I think the sentiment is people are still willing willing to invest. Um, yeah, they're just okay. probably you say a little more a little more hesitant and, and want to see a little more. Um, you're a little further along down the line. You're a little closer to profitability. Your numbers are you know better than everyone else. So they're just a bit more hesitant there, and 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 as well they're using the opportunity. Uh, to, to drive valuations down a little bit. You know, it, it's always a game to some degree. And so sort of that, that that's fair enough. They use those environments to to sort of um, show the narrative that, that best suits them. Um, so that happens a bit as well. But I think, I mean, everyone's saying that, you know, there's a lot of dry powder. They're still there. These people knew, still, need, still need to invest. I guess they're just being a little more cautious and, and slower to invest. Uh, if you have to raise your first round of investment today oh, okay. as a first-time yep. entrepreneur, uh, yep. what what would you do right now knowing what you know now yeah i think a couple of things i think it's still a very relationship game which is which is good if you've got the relationships but but difficult if you don't um so I, if you didn't have those relationships i would be starting working really hard to start to create them attending trade shows attending events trying to meet investors trying to find local angels in in your area um, speaking with trying to find consultants that work in the CPG um, area, you know, 
one one that we use extensively still even to this day is is Elliot Began and the TIG group and things like that. So finding those people that have those connections that can make you those introductions. Um, so that that's one getting in front of those people. Next is is really working hard on how do you prove your story? How do you show that that your velocities are better than everyone else's? There's a real consumer need for your product. Not is it a good product or hey I can make this or whatever, but what actual need are you feeling? Why is there a reason for you existing? And, and is that a big enough reason as well? Um, so yeah, I could say I exist because, you know, I use a different flower in my product than everyone else. Well, that's great, you're different, but but is there a big enough demand for that difference and, and, and really having an understanding of that? Um, and then I wouldn't be too fussy about valuations either. I think, um, you know, you just need to get some, some money in the door and, and get that going and get that support from there. So I think that would be the core things that I, I would be looking at. In terms of metrics, Matt, what are the metrics founders should be focusing on while raising capital? Or if they're starting out, what are the metrics they should be, you know, uh, trying to improve before reaching out to investors? Yep. No, I think I think uh, velocities are, are the number one key. So, how, and then how do you compare to others? Now, that's also not the easiest data to get, but you can show, you can speak to stores, speak to you know suppliers, things like that, um, or show your orders. Whatever is the best way that you can show that there is there is traction. So going back to my point around showing there's a difference, showing that there is a, a demand for that difference. And then third point is is the metrics there that show that show back up some data from, from your point. So it's not you just saying, oh, I think I think this is important. You can show that, that your product turns and, and is actually in demand. Interesting. Uh, slightly moving towards marketing, Matt, uh, one of the channels which is performing extremely well right now is TikTok. Uh, how has the channel been for you guys and are there any learnings there for us? Yeah, no, like, like a lot of people, we're, we're on TikTok, we're, we're doing it. We, we took that back in, in-house just to learn it a bit more and understand it. So that's what we're sort of at at the moment and things to be growing pretty well there. Um, I think it's a good education platform as well, as well as entertainment. I think people use it a lot to learn things as well. So we're looking at that, looking to tap into influencers or content creators. I mean, it's, it's a huge time and resource suck as well like it's you know if you're going to be on tiktok you know they're saying you need to post two or three times a day you need to do this content you know so it's a huge consumer of, of content um and so that's that's a challenge um so yeah we're, we're, we're looking into it i think there's lots lots of brands that are, that are doing it well um I, I would i then wonder how does that transfer into into sales um so i think it's a great brand awareness tool um there are some good brands that have, have done well to, to generate that into sales and, and growth um but that's still that's still an area that needs to keep getting tested out yeah but i think as you rightly said Matt is more of a brand awareness channel at this point and the reason can be the younger demographics right it's not matured yet so maybe the purchasing power is not there on the platform uh, but still uh, i think the virality of a platform makes it pretty interesting you know even if you have like 10 followers your next video can go up to a million views yep um, so I think testing out different organic content would definitely can help to some extent in brand awareness. But Matt, it was great to have you on the podcast. Uh, and it's always great to have a conversation with you. I think you really give a lot of insights into the industry for sure. No, my pleasure. Any, anytime. Happy to, happy to have a chat.